BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows VR training platforms like ForgeFX help students master their skills. There's a big learning curve with welding. Virtual reality simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. Hi, everyone. Welcome to Dishing with Digest. I'm Stephanie Sloan, Editorial Director, here with Mara Levinsky, Senior Editor. Hi, everyone. Well, Mara, some really tragic news this week. Um, Christoph St. John, who has played Young and Restless as Neil since 1991, died at age 52. I mean, over the years, Christoph had been so forthcoming with us about his private challenges, including the devastating death of his son Julian in 2014, his estrangement with his mother, his financial struggles, and so much more. So it's really just such a sad end to his life story um, for him to go so young. You know, he had fought through so much, and... I just feel like this came as such a surprise all around. Um, I first met Christoph in the early 90s at an Emmy party here in New York. And, you know, we just hit it off right away. He was just so that kind of guy that you could just talk to and you feel like you had known him for so long already. Um, And over the years, though I may not have seen him that often, when we did see each other, it was like we saw each other yesterday. He just had a smile that lit up the room and he was just so incredibly warm and friendly. And, you know, you really wouldn't have known that he had the personal battles that he did. There are so many members of the daytime community who are feeling this loss. And I think we saw that not only from the sheer number of actors who posted tributes to Kristoff, but from how deeply personal those tributes were and the consistent portrait they painted of Kristoff as someone who was really there for people and willing to go the extra mile for them. And that ranges from people like Shamar Moore, who played his brother Malcolm on the show, who called Kristoff Kristoff his brother and, and really credits him with his career, to Vanessa Antoine, who was a total stranger to him when they randomly met at a juice bar and he sat down with her and helped her prepare for her general hospital audition as Jordan. And in all of the years that you and I have both been at this magazine, we have never heard a bad word said about him. No, and I think that's what was so incredible about the online outpouring. I mean, I just feel like people really wanted to get their stories about Kristoff out there. And just reading them, I would get chills. I mean, one was more impactful than the next. Even people you didn't think might even have known him or then people who you might not have known had a connection with him, like Robert Adamson had a great story. You know, Tyler Christopher had, Mm -hmm. you know, an important story about him. And I just thought that was such an incredible takeaway. And, you know, it's just been such a rare experience to see someone so young pass away. And I think that's another element of why this is really gutting so many people. And I would add, I think that because he was so forthcoming with our readers about the challenges he faced in his life, we we rooted for him. You know, I, I know I certainly did. Um, you know, and it's amazing when you think of the impact his character made on the daytime landscape. Um, you know, here was a successful, bright, young African-American character who wasn't a stereotype and became an incredible role model for so many viewers. You know, we saw him rise up the corporate ladder. The show created a big family for him. And, you know, the Winters family became such a touchstone for so many viewers who related to them and followed their story. Yeah, I think for a lot of viewers, you know, we think of Jesse and Angie as uh, these 
watershed characters, uh, black characters from the 1980s. And then since 1991, you know, we had Neil and Neil and Drusilla to carry that mantle and obviously, you know, to do it extremely, extremely well. Um, at the time that he passed away, Kristoff had brought to life the second longest running black character on daytime TV. And, you know, before Neil, there was Adam on Generations. And I, I kind of want to give a shout out to the history he made on that show as well. I was 12 years old when Generations debuted. And I genuinely remember his very first scene on that show. It was actually shot on location in my hometown. Wow. And um, I, like, recognized the back background. I was so excited. And that was the first soap to debut with a core back black family in 1989. It's kind of remarkable to think about. And, you know, the cast of that show looked more like the town I grew up in than the other daytime shows did. Um, but, you know, by virtue of its diversity. And, and I instantly became a fan of his. And I feel really lucky that I got to bear witness to his body of work and the really considerable imprint he made on this genre. Yeah, I think it's interesting to mention that the longest-running black character is actually Abe Carver, who's played by James Reynolds, who played Kristoff's father on Generations. Um, so YNR did a short tribute to Kristoff, but they released a statement clarifying that there will be a much more in-depth one coming up in April. And I think it's probably going to give them time to really prepare right. to say goodbye to him in the way that's befitting to both the actor and the character. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so our guest today is Lauren Coslow, who began her career on The Young and the Restless, but has been playing Days as Kate for over 20 years. Let's get her on the phone to talk about it. Hi, Lauren. Hi. How are you? I'm good. <laughs> I'm good. I'm just here to just finish some. Rather dramatic scenes. So. Oh, I can't wait to see <laughs> them in six things. months. Right. <laughs> I, well, yes, it's it, it's a real visual. So. <laughs> oh, big tease there. Okay. Yeah. You'll definitely know what I'm talking about when you see it. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Just think Swamp Girl. Okay. Oh, ooh, hey. <laughs> awesome. Nice throwback there. Um, well, thanks so much for joining us today. You're here with Mara Levinsky and me. So, uh as we do with all of our podcasts, we are going to start by taking a walk down memory lane with you. You're such a wonderful person to do that, too. Oh, thank you. <laughs> yes. I mean, you were there for a lot of it, <laughs> for sure. Indeed. So let us yeah. start with Young and the Restless. So this looked like um, it was your first big role, if I'm not mistaken. Yes, it absolutely is. I mean, I hadn't been in L.A. actually that long. I mean, at the time, it seemed like a long time when you're um, a young act actress. But um, I think I had been here around a year and a half, and uh, I was in an acting class. Uh, I was working at a production studio, and I met Ed Scott. He was also taking the class, and that is how I actually got the audition because he saw me in the class. He was there as a student, too. Though. Wow. He was still producing. Yeah, he was a producer on YNR, but he was it was really uh, a noteworthy thing because he was taking the class just to learn more about acting, about the whole process. And um, he had seen me uh, do some scenes. So I got this call for this audition. And I remember talking to friends. Oh, my gosh, I got this call for, you know, YNR. And they said, well, how'd you? I said, well, I, I know the producer was in the class. And they're like, oh. <laughs> I'm thinking, no, no, it's real. It's legitimate. <laughs> but, you know, they put that fear in me. I'm like, what? But, of course, it was. I mean, it was, and, uh, it was totally frightening, but a wonderful thing. And I had to come and read for Wes Kenny, who is the executive producer. 
And then I had a chance to go on and uh, for the final, you know, to test for it. And there, as I remember, were really a lot of girls attesting. I swear, I, I wasn't sure if Rob, I think there were the same as 12 or 15. And all, you know, we're all different types. And um, uh, I, like I said, I was very new to Hollywood. And, and um, I, you know, for a lot of these actresses, it, you know, this, this was their thing. They were like, they knew how to do it. Um, and uh, I remember just sitting next to one actress and she had her headphones on, the music's blaring, the whole thing. And I'm like, oh my God, I'm so out of this. I'm, just, I'm never going to get this role. <laughs> <laughs> I, don't, I don't get this whole process. But, um, you know, but I did. I ended up getting cast and it was, um, it was fantastic. Who'd you audition with? Um, I auditioned with Terry Lester. Not too shabby. Not too sh- No, it was, I mean, I realize now looking back how lucky I was really to be, because uh, of course that story of Lindsay Wells really revolved around um, him and, you know, what was going on in his life as the bad boy of, obviously, of Genoa City. And, uh, you know, she came in to, I, mean, I don't know if people are familiar with the story or not, but it was it was really a great story. I mean, so that way I was very lucky to get cast in that kind of role. Um, this woman who becomes really psychotic over her, you know, uh, love for this this man. Um, and a he tale as old as time. Wonder- <laughs> and so I've played a lot of unrequited love, I'll tell you. It's really. um, but, but he was such a good actor, and um, I feel like different from anyone else really in the genre at the time. He was so nuanced and uh, in the moment, and I just remember, really, I was so terrified about the, the test, but he was very supportive and in the moment, and I had done really only theater, so this was such a difference for me, but I think the fact that it's three camera and it's almost like you're doing your, a little play, you know, for me, that really helped me because that was definitely my strength. And we just went right through it. We did it like rehearsal and then did it. And, um, it was amazing. And then I started, of course I got cast and my storyline mostly was with him and Brenda Dixon and Jerry Douglas and, um, he was just, it was such a joy to work with him. I mean, I really, really learned a lot about the genre. Um, and just being able to work with someone in the moment that way, who was so much in the moment, so spontaneous and really had a different take on things, I think was, was a great learning experience too. I'm curious to know, you know, before landing this job, did you have any familiarity with daytime dramas? Were you ever a fan um, I had watched in my family, cause I know so far for that kind of a family thing. Yeah. We had watched as, yeah, like with your mom, you'd watch, um, as the world turns and the guiding light. And I remember when, I guess when Y&R came out, my sister watched that. And I remember cause she was living in Hawaii. I went to visit her and she was telling me all about, you know, Laura <laughs> and I had seen a little bit, but I hadn't really watched it. So then when I got this audition, uh, later, because that's when I you know, was still living at home. But later, um, when I got to L.A. and I got this audition, I'm like, oh, my gosh, I have to watch this show. And I tried to, you know, cram it. But I definitely was familiar just in terms of watching, of being a fan of the daytime show. Since I was a little kid, I had seen them. So, you know, I kind of think of it now. So when you come into the genre that way, I feel like you have a greater understanding of the audience and 
you know, their affection for their shows, you know, because I definitely, I, I experienced that too. And um, so you have a closeness, I think, with your audience because it's like, I, I, you know, I get it. I'm a fan too. I was a fan too. Um, but definitely I did, had no understanding of the workings, of the process of making a show like that because like I said, I, I was out of the theater world, uh, mm-hmm. you know, and that is where I had worked. So that was definitely a big learning curve for me. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, world turns and cutting light are two good choices to cut your teeth on in daytime television, I would say. Um, Yes, I know, right? Looking back, that's so true. Um, So you did work closely with Gene Cooper and Brenda Dixon and Terry and Jerry. Um, You know, what are your memories of that time and them? Yes, yes. I I remember being super excited the first time I had a scene with Jeannie Cooper. I mean, uh, I I think I had seen some scenes of her when she... God, wasn't she on a deserted island with a yeah? I just I, yeah. I mean, it was amazing stuff. And I remember as a kid, like like a teenager or whatever, watching that. I thought, you know, she's she's amazing. So I really was in awe when I finally got to work with her. I was so so excited about that, and she was wonderful. She was so professional, um, you know, and a real grand lady in the very best sense. You know, um, commanding. Uh, I think in her performance and all of that, you know, cause I, I was fresh out of school and just like, you know, for me, it's like everyone I, I got to work with. I feel like I got a, another something about, uh, you know, this, this is how you can do this. And, uh, so I, I loved working with her. Um, it wasn't that long. I mean, I mean, I also learned something else because I had blackmail, but you know, part of, you know, her, my story was that she had these blackmail photos on, on Jack and in jail. And I remember the part of the story where Catherine Chandler gets them for me, like she buys them for me or whatever. And at the time I should have known, uh oh, this is not good because your, your character is losing your power. You might not be on the show much longer. And of course, that's, you know, that did ultimately happen. So I learned to kind of like really watch the story, how it's going and, you know, the ups and downs and, you know, what the signs that you might not be lasting that long. That's really funny. Um, and what about uh, Terry, Brenda, Jerry? Brenda Dixon. Um, I I did work with her. She was kind of my nemesis on that show to degree. Um, I kind of what I guess I would take from that uh, is that I learned the, the dynamics of a big show that's been around for a while and had a lot of personalities and really working within that structure and with, uh, you know, you have a lot of, you have a lot of different personalities and there's a lot of, lot going on there. And you, and I was kind of innocent in terms of all of that. And, you know, I, I learned a lot that way too. And just, uh, you know, dealing with people and there's more to, deal with and just, you know, learning your lines and doing your scenes. And it is, there's a lot, there's a business that goes on there too. And, um, you know, so it was, it was really, it was really a great experience to me that way. I, I learned a lot, definitely learned a lot. And Jerry was a dear, <laughs> Jerry Douglas was a dear. He got me involved in a, um, an acting program where we went to local prisons and, um, it was, uh, it donated our time and Kind of in a in a learning program, kind of like a rehab, rehab kind of program for prisoners, and we would go and we would do scenes with them, and it was really he was such a 
joyous man and a very giving man. And um, I love that I got the opportunity to do that. It's Phil Morris, too. <laughs> oh, yeah. That's so cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, it was, it, was quite, it was a really interesting time there. Now, uh, you said Wes Kenny was the EP at the time. Did you have yes. any dealings with Bill Bell? Um, not a lot, really. I mean, I dealt mostly with Ed Scott and um, Wes Kenny. Of course, I met Bill Bell, I think. But I think I, I might have met him when I was first hired. Um, and then they used to have these wonderful annual um, like Christmas parties and anniversary parties. And I think that's the, you know, that was my first chance to really get to talk to him. But I certainly didn't know him the way like the original cast members of that show would have. Uh, I, I didn't have that much interaction with him. And it is, it's funny, once later when I came on to Days, you know, I found out about the whole connection between, you know, Days and, and Bill Bell being here and then going there and that there was this kind of history of, of a crossover, you know, yeah. in many ways between the two shows. It's pretty fascinating. Yeah, yeah but he was, an, uh, he was an amazing storyteller. I mean, amazing and really a visionary when you think about it in terms of this genre, I think. It's, you know, I was, I was, the story, really, when I look back at that story, too, it was just so beautifully written, very, very complex, oh, really. Absolutely. Um, now, you also met your husband there, Nikki Scalacci, who, in case our listeners don't know, Knott's Landing character was named after him, my favorite little <laughs> tidbit about your husband. Um, That's true. Yes. He got around. He did. So what was that like? I mean, were you hesitant to get involved with someone who worked at the show or was it just business as usual? Well, no, absolutely. And he wasn't, initially he was not doing my makeup. And um, he, at one point, I guess, because he was, you know, the head of the department, they, I think it was Bill Bell actually said that they wanted to change my look as the story was evolving. And so they, he took over my makeup. You know, I had to sit in his chair and I had to think, of, I mean, at the time I was like, oh my God, because he was slightly, I mean, I felt like it was slightly intimidating. <laughs> I don't want to go sit in his chair. I mean, anyways. So, but I did, you know, when he had this whole makeover, this whole thing, but he was very light. And so we, you know, you go in there at 6.30 in the morning, 6, no makeup, whatever. We, you know, started talking. He's, he really was a lovely guy. It was all my perception. <laughs> he was slightly intimidating. And um, we did a lot of talking. And um, at the time I was getting divorced. I had been married to an actor and, um, you know, and I'm sharing information about it. I had started dating, you know, again, and it's that he was like a brother. And at the same time, he had recently was in the process, had gotten divorces in the process of divorce. So he was like sharing that information. Anyway, so this went on for like, I don't know, like half a year or more. And, um, <laughs> we became, at some point, I remember him like asking me out or we're talking about it, but it wasn't even at the studio. It was at a party. And I'm like, no, because, you know, I feel like you're such a good friend and you're like a brother and I don't want to ruin that. And he's like, no, 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 it won't ruin it. Like, no, 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 it will. It will. <laughs> you know, <laughs> which of course at some point I think all women feel I was like, no, this is, we don't want to do that. Um, but we did. And uh, we've been together ever since. I mean, literally it was that fast. I mean, we, it was kind of crazy. 
kind of crazy, really. But um, when I look back at it, I mean, that would be the advice that I give to women who have gone through too many relationships. That it, that friendship thing is huge, is really, really important. And I think that doing it the opposite way, starting out as friends, even though he says the whole time he wasn't really a friend. He said he always wanted to. <laughs> <laughs> Ladies, <laughs> find a you a man who pretends to want to be your friend. That's Lauren's <laughs> advice. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> but I guess they really are. Maybe they just can't admit it. I think that's what it is. I think that's what it is. Because he is he actually was so open to I mean, and that was especially being in LA, that was so amazing to find someone who was, you know, was open and available, you know, and uh all of that was you know, that is really him. So I think part of that was his, his New York <laughs> coming out. <laughs> well, I like that love story. That's very sweet. Yeah. <laughs> And it continues to this day since yeah, he is exactly. out of the hair and makeup well, yes, room at days. Seriously. I know. It's so funny. I know. Isn't that crazy? Because I, I guess it's been six years now um, when they were redoing the show. You know, we were going to high def and there was a change in the department. And uh, he came in and took over. And um, at first, I'm going to have to tell you, because for so long on this show, I had been – because when I went on to Bold Beautiful – he, you know, I did my own makeup and then on days I did just in, cause he had taught me and we had this look and the whole thing. So when he came into the show though, I'm like, Oh God, now what do I do? <laughs> cause I really wanted to, I wanted to continue doing it. Right. But they're going to high death. There was all these changes and this. So I thought, and plus I have to set a good example. I can't be here like the wife saying, Oh no, I'm doing my own. So <laughs> I'm like, okay, I'm going to sit down in your chair. You can just do my thing. But it was so hard in the beginning. I swear it really was hard because it was me giving up control and then he had all these ideas and you know over the years we had had disagreements over like if he would do a photo shoot for me <laughs> so I'm not lying it was tough in the beginning it was definitely tough that's amazing <laughs> but now into it we've, we've worked it out today I had special effects kind of makeup and even with that you know we started a little bit of the discussion back and forth you know, <laughs> on the ride into work yeah 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 but it you know it worked out well so but it, but it is funny because it, it does Definitely, you know, it goes back. It's like bookending, you know, our careers. It's really interesting. It's been great, though. It's really fun, you know, and we never, I know for some couples, it, it seems like it's a difficulty to work together that much, but we actually have had a, a history of doing it and it, um, it works out real well. That's awesome. That's awesome. So before yeah. before Days of Our Lives and after YNR, of course, you had this run on The Bold and the Beautiful. Um, so how did, how did you end up on that show? Like, did the bells request you? Do you know? Or do you recall? Oh, I, I would love to think that. I don't know. I mean, I was, you know, I left, I was written out of YNR, broke my heart. <laughs> you should time. never have sold those photos Lindsay to Bell. Catherine. I'm saying. I should never have sold that. <laughs> I, I know. I did have instincts about that too. I was worried. And, uh, you know, Lindley, she definitely, she would like went to the Jabot, um, ladies room and never came out i mean i, I joke about that story but it's kind of true <laughs> it's like she, was just she might still be there she might still be there who knows that could be valuable you know you never know um so you know it had been such a great experience i loved it of course i was sad um and i can't really remember how many months that it might have been like maybe a year later maybe less maybe less than that probably was less than that look that up um i get the call my agent got a call about this show but the bells wanted to see me uh about this role that was on this new soap opera and um i went in 
and talked with them. And then I did do a screen test, but it was so funny because there was one, only one other person at this time. <laughs> and a little bit, I thought, hmm, <laughs> this is looking really good now. But uh, I, did, I did test. So, I mean, I don't know. I mean, I'd like to think that they had me in mind. Um, but it, you know, I was thrilled to get it. And it's such a unique experience because, you know, these shows have been running for so long and most of them, you know, had so much history. And here is, you know, one with a brand, you know, you're starting on the very first chapter. It was very, very exciting. Very exciting. Yeah. What was that like? I, I mean, remember that. you're in a launch. Like. It, well, I mean, it was, it was so totally unique and um, it started out almost like a theatrical event because I, I remember the, like they had read throughs, I think for the first few shows that we, the whole cast got together and we sat down in one of the big rooms over at CBS and the whole um, cast is there. And I think we read through, if I remember right, like the first probably five scripts, like all together. So it was such a, um, a unified feeling, such an ensemble feeling, because everyone's trying to scratch. And then the like, the costume designer was coming in from New York, David Dangle. I mean, it was so amazing. And he had, I remember going to meet with him, and he had all these beautiful renderings of, you know, his look for Margo. And so everything was bright and shiny and new. I mean, the, the sets were spectacular, um, really spectacular. And I, and I think also the fact that the show was taking place you know, in California, Los Angeles, um, it, it, that it was in the design building, um, business, um, fashion design, you know, all of that was so brand new and so contemporary. And, and I think a whole new look for daytime shows. Um, and we felt that, you know, we really did. I, I was so excited about it. And I love the idea of playing a fashion designer because I had started out as a costume designer. You know, that's what I was trained in. So that was wonderful. I remember seeing when I first saw Margot's office, which I think is still there. Talking <laughs> to uh, Lindsay Godfrey is on our show now. And she said, I think I was in your office. I Probably. Office they have originally. like literally two yeah. offices on that show <laughs> at Forrester yeah. and people just go back and forth. Yeah. But it was a beautiful set. You know, it was so beautiful and the props and all that. Because I, you know, I did that. I did design. So we had all of that there. So I love, I mean, all of that. It was like an environmental thing. I love the environment. Uh, that they had created, and uh, it was it was very special, very special. I remember thinking when Margot married um, Jim Storm's character that that was like the most beautiful wedding Bill dress I've ever seen. I loved that wedding dress. Oh, I know that was pretty amazing. That was really pretty amazing. And we went down to Palos Verdes Peninsula. I remember it. Yeah, but the location we did location weddings. I know. It was, that was, it was so, it was so beautiful. Yeah, All that, of that. that I was just, very that's glamorous, kind of what yeah. always comes to mind. It was so glamorous. And of course, doing those, the fashion shows themselves. And then of course, I mean, the greatest part of it was the travel because it was so huge internationally. I mean, they were so brilliant how they sold that show, you know, it became this huge international show and where there were so many wonderful tips. <laughs> To, to Europe because of that. You know, and I got to go on a few of those and they were just amazing. Just uh, amazing. Really a once-in-a-lifetime kind of experience because the shows were so huge there. And um, they... It's more, when we were there, it's more as if it was a nighttime show. Right. right. And, um, yeah, I know you know about that. I mean, it was... So the response, I mean, it was just 
extraordinary. I mean, it was really, I remember going to a film festival and, you know, it's just the same as if you're, you know, a film star walking up there. It was really, really something. Well, you still go to Italy. I know it's a favorite of yours. Um, are you recognized when you go now? Um, no, not at, no. For years ago, I was a lot younger, but I think also when I, because was on B&B, my hair was so dark that it almost read as black. And when I know, and even then when I would show up for an appearance, they would say, oh, your, your, your hair looks so different. So I think that was part of it. Um, a few times I was, um, but now, no, no, no. <laughs> so there's a lot of freedom with that. It's really kind of nice, I think. But my love for Italy, because I had... So, I mean, I had gone there as a student, so I hadn't really been back until I went with B&B. And now, I mean, every few years we're back. It, it, um, it just, we, we had such a great time that it just reminded me of how much I, you know, love to travel there. Um, so we, we, it's become a thing <laughs> ever since, for sure. So I, you did a guest appearance, like reprising the role of Margot in 2002, when you were on Days as Kate, what was it like to go back? Well, I mean, it was so crazy because it, it's like nothing had changed, but everything had changed, you know? <laughs> I mean, walking back into those halls, because of course, I had been there in YNR, and then I left, and then I was back for Bold and Beautiful, you know, across the corridor, and then coming back and doing that, um, you know, it was, it was bittersweet because it was so wonderful to see everyone, but you you know, you're not there. Um, but then again, I'm on a show that I absolutely love. I mean, I, I actually love doing it. Um, I, we were supposed to be, because Joe Mascolo was there at the time. Um, playing Massimo. So we were supposed to do that kind of, yes, yes. And so he was supposed to do a trade. I, we were supposed to trade that way, but I, I don't know if that ever really happened. Um, but the, the thing that I do remember too, is that I kind of forgotten about Margo, um, yeah, Margot Lindley. No, <laughs> Margot Lindley. Yes. Um, so you know, she's just a very different kind of character from Kate, and I had been playing Kate for a while by then, and you know, it, it's so ingrained in you. So I had to go there and try to find that that other woman. That was kind of interesting. It was only for I guess it was only like two episodes, but it was an interesting thing to revisit that. You know, even the way she dressed, the whole thing. You know, because I have this whole Kate thing in my head. So to go and have the Margot, even just the way she looked, you know, was it was very different. Oh, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Um, well, mm-hmm. let's talk about joining Days of Our Lives as Kate. So, you know, how did you approach the role? It was a recast. What did you think when they contacted you or when you got, when you got the job? Well, I was, I was really excited. <laughs> Came at a time, perfect time. Um, I had been out um, of daytime actually for, for a little while. And, um, I had been working, but I was also, I had two small children. They were three and five, I think at the time, maybe five. Yeah. Around that. Anyway. Um, so it it was, it was really kind of perfect because I was ready to, you know, to start doing more. And we got the call and I, Tom Langan, which once again is like full circle because he had been over at YNR when I was at YNR and now he was EP on Days of Our Lives. So, um, you know, I kind of definitely think I once again owe that to him that he thought of me and, you know, saw me 
for this role. And it was a recast. Edward Dare had played it for, I think, I think around two years. And, um, and then, she, you know, the character was written out and, um, sent away and she's infamously out there on a, a fishing trawler. In her, <laughs> den, in her double denim. Yep, yep, very ahead of her time. Yeah, yeah, double denim, double denim. Um, so I was very excited about the audition. I really was. And I was so happy to think that, you know, that he had thought of me and I was there. But once again, there were a lot of actresses there. I mean, from nighttime, from film, from, I mean, a lot. And I'm thinking, oh, God, <laughs> once again, <laughs> it's go. a tough one, you know, because it's a really good role. It's a great show, great role. Um, and I auditioned with Louise Sorrell, so it's Vivian um, Kate, <laughs> And um, she was so gracious to me, so lovely, and came and talked to me um, about the importance of the role, of, like, the type of woman Kate was. Um, she was just so gracious and so there and uh, made the process better for me. And I remember her kept on, she kept on saying to me, because I think we had done like a, kind of like a read through. And she said, ah, she has to be strong. She's strong. It's so important that she's strong. And of course she's the English is so right. You know, Vivian's a really strong character, so to have a really great rivalry, you, the other, you know, your, your partner, <laughs> your arch enemy has to be strong too. I'm like, okay, I'm going to do this. So I remember the suits that I had, that, like the real big shoulder pads, and like I went for it, like strong, okay? <laughs> and it seemed to go very well. I mean, she, I got, you know, it seemed to go well. My agent gets a call and says, they liked you, but I'm not sure exactly who the butt is, but they felt like you were too strong. <laughs> They're Thanks, Louise. <laughs> yeah, it was so funny. They're concerned that you, you know, you don't have a soft side, that you can't. So I'm like, oh, my God. And I remember that Tom did call me and we kind of explained it. You know, we just want to send this other side. And he said, you know, maybe it's, you know, change, if you could change up your appearance. <laughs> I thought, okay. I went out and I bought a pink suit and a little, little skirt. Because the other one had a pantsuit, you know, top. And this one I was like, little skirt, little short skirt, this light pink. And this time the scene was with John Aniston. And it was a romantic scene. And they're at the office. And I'm like, I, you kidding? I totally do this. And um, it, did, it went really well. And they did see the other side. And I'm so glad, I'm so happy, I'm so thankful, you know, that they gave that chance. Because oftentimes that doesn't happen. It's like the first impression. Like, oh, she can do that, but can she do this? We don't know. Okay, like, pass. So I did get the opportunity to do that, and then I got the role. And here we are, Lauren. It's 23 years that you've been playing this <laughs> this part. I mean, could you ever have imagined back then that, no, that we never. would be having this no. conversation? No. No, I, I absolutely would never have. I mean, I remember when I first met Ken Corday, and I think it, it might have been it. I'm trying to think it was a soap opera that I just event, which were the best events ever. Right, weren't um, they? <laughs> yeah, oh my God, we were just talking about that the other day. They were so glamorous. Uh. I, I kind of think it was. I really, really do. And I remember him coming up and saying, and he was so lovely. Um, it was so nice to have you here. And, and thank you so much. And he said, you know, we'd like to have you here for a long time. Or something to the effect. 
that meant more than, you know, a year. <laughs> and I thought, oh, my gosh, can you imagine? You know, I'm just thinking that. Oh, it would be so great. I would love to. Because at this point, I, you know, I do love the, the genre. I love the kind of work we do. We have great roles for women. And I really would love to have done. I would have loved to have thought that, you know. And um, and I have been here. And I am ever grateful. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, any particular storylines that are favorites for you? Oh, man, I've. I've had a lot of really good ones. You know, I, I guess it comes out of the character. I'm so glad that I got to play a character like this. Um, not that she, it has gotten any better in the love department. Yeah, Kate, it's not Kate that, does it, not have good luck yeah. there. No, she really doesn't. But at least it's not like with the other characters where it was kind of, she was like the loser with it. She is just <laughs> in unrequited. I mean, she always picked men who were like, no. In this, it's just it's kind of she kind of just picks those bad guys like over and over again and and tries to over that's her thing not that they're going to change but that we're going to make this work you know um but there have been a few i i one of my i i guess looking back at it my time working with joe muscolo that was fabulous i loved that storyline i loved what it came out of that what you knew their backstory was and just over the years when they had kind of been in each other's orbit a little bit, but you, you know, you didn't really know what happened. You knew that she had had this dark past with him, but when finally during that whole period when she was trying to kill Dr. Dan and Stefano comes in and saves her and blackmails her into the marriage and, um, you think this is going to be this, once again, this horrible thing, but it turned into, and Joe and I both did work on this, and I think the writers were great with going with it, you know, that she really does fall in love with him, and she falls in love with a man who is totally accepting her for who she is. He's loving her badness. He's loving it all. And for, you know, playing that out and having that couple, that powerful couple, I got so much, I got this great response to that. I mean, I still, I still do. People still do talk about it. Um, it was, it was really, that was a great, it was challenging work. I, I really enjoyed that. Um, of course, the, the decades-long um, storyline with, with, between Kate and Sammy was just amazing. Mm-hmm. I mean, just great. I Even mean, getting their own from, portrait. Yeah, you don't see that every day. What kind of fantastic, it's so funny, and I've probably talked about this before, but for Allie and I, I mean, for them to really, because over the years, so many times we talked about it, oh my God, can you imagine rather than being at each other's throat, if we ever teamed up, how brilliant that would be to be so, that we always, we always talked about it, then we went back to pulling each other's hair and trying to, but when, so when they finally did that twist and did it so beautifully, believably, because for a few years, anyway, I had already been playing that. You know, it was love-hate. I mean, Kate did love her. I mean, that is like her daughter. And as much as they have all this stuff, I mean, there was such a close relationship. It grew into that, you know, during the whole period with with the EJ and all of that. So um, when they finally had them come together like that, it was such a wonderful combination of, you know, really years of work of building these characters and these stories and um I love that. that. I have to admit, that was, that was pretty much the high point. I mean, I'll never forget rehearsing. You know, we, we it was kind of revealed to the audience, and we got the pound fist and the handshake and all of that. I mean, we got so much joy out of it. I mean, it was it was really, it was great stuff. And the portrait, for sure. <laughs> yeah, that was just a blast. Absolutely. 
<laughs> so I, I want to know about Kate's fashion sense, which we've touched on a little bit. How much input, if at all, do you have in her her look? Well, over the year, um, it, you know, it, it's it's changed for sure. I mean, we discuss it. Richard Bloor, you know, I started out and Richard Bloor was here and we had this fantastic budget and uh, just amazing clothes. And it was one, it, you know, it was wonderful. And um, coming from uh, from costume design like I do, I, I mean, I, you know, that's one of my favorite parts of the day when I go in there and get to have my fitting. And he's so open and wonderful. And we would discuss character, what she's doing, where is she, where is she mentally, physically, all of that. And, you know, and you pick out clothes. And, um, and I think there was definitely, there was a transition from how Kate had dressed when she was played by Deborah Dare. I think there was a change in style there. There also was a change in style when, um, this is probably like a year or two into the show when there was, um, when it they decided to have a change in her character that she definitely moved to a darker place as a character. I think they decided to make her more of a villainess um, rather than slightly challenged in the moral department. She went <laughs> full tilt boogie. And I kind of, I kind of remember that of them, of, you know, it was, it was pretty major. And uh, we kind of changed up her wardrobe then a lot. I think that's when there was a really a big change from what she had been before. Um, and she's very much about, the power, power dressing, dressing as armor. Uh, she's on the offensive most of the time, you know, and I, and we wanted the clothing to reflect that. Um, it became a very challenging during the periods when our, you know, our budgets, you know, for everyone, the budgets have changed and, uh, it's a different kind of shopping we do now. And they can ask, <laughs> now it's super challenging, but it's still the very same process. And I, I do have ideas about it. He has ideas about it. And, you know, we discuss it, we try on different things and we're always, you know, we're always trying to really address who she is and what she's doing and how we want the audience to, uh, you know, reflect on that. And so, um, you know, really a lot of thought goes into it for sure. Well, she does look fabulous. Um, and I can't believe I just got a letter about this yesterday, but I did. There are people who do not know the origin of your blue streak. So, oh my gosh, it's been so long. I know. I Please tell us that remember. story. <laughs> Talk <laughs> so about long. your blue I mean, streak I can't, I, Seriously, I mean, it's been a long time. I think it's been like over ten years. I mean, it's crazy how long it's been. <laughs> I know. I mean, <laughs> let's see. It's like how about like real truth with origin? <laughs> I put the blue streak in back during a storyline that was pretty uh, challenging, let's put it that way. It was back when, it was during the Daniel, Dr. Dan time, and uh, Kate definitely, definitely went off the deep end during that. With the poison apple and Chloe tying (laughs) tying him up, I remember that. You remember that. Oh, sure. Yes, yes. And I was definitely struggling with it because before that point, I mean, you know, obviously she's been up and down. She can get very dark, but it was, you know, it was usually super motivated by, by her family, by her children and all that. And, and this one was like, 
different. <laughs> she was suddenly really okay with murdering people. You know, and that's a big jump. Mm-hmm. So um, I remember first cutting off my hair. <laughs> it had been longer. And I cut it kind of to the chin. Uh, kind of reflective that this is, because well, for me, you know, and it was to me also about survival. And so I wanted the un- audience to understand this isn't necessarily just her. She's really in a dark, maybe in a psychotic place now. You know, she's having a mental breakdown. So I cut the hair, but that didn't quite seem enough. <laughs> so I remember going to my hairdresser and saying, oh, I don't know. I have to do something. I, you know, she's crazy. I have to do something. I'm, I want a white streak. He's like, what? what? I said, no, just like a white streak. Just like, no, just white streak. And so he really, like, he said, I don't think, I don't really think you want to do that. And I said, okay, fine. I want a blue streak. Sound. A blue streak? Yes, I do. I want to <laughs> He really, he so didn't want to do it. But he did <laughs> little it. did he and know. We put it, little did he know. You know, and it was really just supposed to be for me. You know, it was for me. It wasn't really for anyone to see. And it was underneath. And I did. It was right. It was just like to help me psychologically get through all of this. And um, I went to set. And for for a while, it was like okay. I remember Sean Christian noticed. He was like, "Oh, oh my, that's cool." I said, eh, "Don't say anything." You know, talked to behind my ear. Um, so it was okay for a while. And then I remember doing a scene. I think we got through quite a bit, actually. I, but actors thought, like Joe Muscola thought, he saw it and. He, Hated it. <laughs> what did you do to yourself? Why did you do that? I'm like, hell oh, no. You'll see. It really makes sense because, you know, she's kind of like lost her mind, but now she's going to come back. No, no, no. I hate it. It's terrible. <laughs> so we finally get together and everything's good. And I, but my, my hair is usually down. We did this scene. He's at the hospital. I think this is when they go super close to Kate and Stefano, most interestingly enough. Um, and I had my hair up, right? So now suddenly the blue streak, because everyone's getting used to it, but no one's really seen it, like, production-wise. My hair's up, and we're starting the scene, and all of a sudden they stop. And Gary Tomlin was the EP <laughs> then. <laughs> and they're like, he stops the scene, and he gets over it. Like, what's that? to a very interesting woman and <laughs> reference her hair. I'm like, oh my God, I love this man so much that he did that. I mean, I am forever grateful to Gary Tomlin for that because it was so, I mean, it was so creative of him and so supportive. And, and we did. And Joe's looking at me like, ah. Spoiled. Yeah, yes. But he did it. And, um, and it was kind of wonderful because I think it was also reaffirming that the character Stefano did love the fact that Kate was different. She was an original, uh, and she was an independent woman. And truly, that is what, coming all the way around to this, that's really what Blue does represent. It's power, but it is also independence, and it's also spiritual. So the color itself really does represent that and did represent that to me. And then, I, you know, and so, as you well know, I'm sure Stephanie, <laughs> we got negative and positive about it. Give me to that blue streak. <laughs> and then other people, oh, my God, I love your blue streak. Um, 
And it's so interesting. Even at fan fans, people will show up and someone will have it clipped in or they will have Aww. done it. And we have the blue streets. So then it became like a really big deal. Then there was a time when like, I was going to get rid of it. And I got rid of it. And I had done a fan event like right after I had gotten rid of it. I felt so badly because so many people did come through. And a lot of women and getting it. Like I really wanted to do this. And I was worried what people would say. And I wanted to do it and I did it. And where's your blue And I'm like, oh, God. So, you know, I put it back in there. And it is there now. I still have it. Right. There. You have the Blue Streak yeah. Freaks. I mean, you have like a, I know, a fan I group to. devoted I to it. I had to do it. I had to do it. And I figure if I'm doing a role, we shouldn't be there. I just covered up. But it's there. And uh, yeah, like way before anyone else had it. I kind of wanted to get rid of it for that reason. Because now right. that everyone has multicolored hair. Right. Like, I don't want it. But um, yeah, but it is, it is kind of a thing. And it really did, um, you know, it meant a lot to me to see how much it meant to others people, people who really embraced it for those, probably those same reasons that I didn't even know that I was embracing it for, you know, originally. Uh, and, uh, then it really represented that for Kate too, because that's what it's all about. She of course is an outsider and that she's okay with that, that she's accepting that. She doesn't give to flying, you know, what's about that, about what other people think. And that's what it is. And it's, you know, you feel good about it, letting other people Feel that too, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, you can feel that too. Go ahead, do it. But it's do amazing it. okay. that, to your point, Kate is an outsider. She sort of bucked the trend of Days of Our Lives in general that's sort of been built around super couples. And here you've endured for like almost a quarter of a century playing this role. And, I know, isn't that crazy? I know. And showing it's, no signs of slowing crazy. down. I know. It's really, it is really wonderful. And I think it's kind of a, uh, it's a good thing for people to see, really, for women, even at, at this point where we are, you know, in our culture, it's kind of amazing because even though she's had these up and down relationships, and even though at times you think it's all about that, it's really not about that. It was about her family. Mm-hmm. It was about her career, but it was about her power as a woman too. And I think I, I love it that we've gotten to that place that it can be about that. It's no longer like worrying about what Lucas is doing, about all, even though it was fun doing all that. Um, but it's about her taking her place in the world and accept, she accepting herself and other people are like, you're going to accept who I am. You know, and, and owning that and women owning themselves, especially, you know, as you your children are gone and you go out and, you know, maybe you have a partner, maybe you don't, you know, mm-hmm. but you're still a strong, independent woman. You're doing your thing. Right. Here, here. Yeah. Well, we certainly yeah, look forward here, here. to seeing what's coming, especially with your wonderful teas at the top of the show. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, <laughs> absolutely. It was so much fun. Yeah, thank thanks you for, for joining us. Thanks, Lauren. And we will talk soon. Yes, thank you. All okay. right. Have a great day. Bye-bye. 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 Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you to Lauren Coslow for being our guest. Be sure to pick up a new issue on sale now and come back next week for another podcast.